0: Hello and welcome to this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. We are full of positivity because it's the first time in over six months that we've been able to talk about a Norwich City win, which feels like quite a strange thing to say. But uh, the the Tottenham game in early March, you know, technically by penalties and the last league win, end of February, that Leicester game at Carrow Road. Finally, a 1-0 win at Huddersfield. The 12-game losing streak comes to an end a 1-0 win at Huddersfield, and thank goodness, hey, <laughs> Norwich have a building block to start moving in the right direction, hopefully. I am Dave Freezer. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM, alongside Paddy Davitt as we travel back from West Yorkshire, joined by Connor Southwell over Zoom. And Connor, let's, let's come to you first. What, what did you make of that? Uh, a hard-fought but very satisfying way to kick off a championship season?
1: Yeah, effective. I think, and, and and probably if you were to write an ideal situation, you'd probably write a one-nil win or certainly a win with a clean sheet, um, just to inject some confidence. And I think there were a lot of pleasing signs. It wasn't the best game of football. It wasn't the best Norwich City performance in the world. But yeah, ultimately, the the win is the most important thing. Um, and, and particularly at this stage of the season, where uh, perhaps sort of analysis and and looking for trends and stuff that that's that's all to come. But um, in order for sort of to get supporters back on side, I felt it was quite big, and in terms of um, showing that, that they had enough to grind out a championship victory as well, was was positive. And for me, the most pleasing aspect is the clean sheet after what we saw last season, and probably the year before that, in terms of how they conceded goals. They didn't really give too much away in terms of chances. I think Josh Carome had a, had a shot in the second half, didn't he? But, beyond that it was um, it was fairly routine for them, so I think they, were, they will be really pleased ultimately to, to come away to break that that run it stops the likes of us talking about it for, for them and and again helps with with the way that they 're shifting that narrative a little bit so you 've got to be pleased with uh, with the victory I think supporters largely are there are lots of pleasing signs lots of good individual performances um, and uh, that's that's the start to life in the championship that I think we all wanted after what has been a, a let alone a, a tough last season, but a, a tough six months for, for everyone, I think. Yeah,
0: I think that's only a third goal in that 13 games as well, isn't it? So that is, it has been a, a, a bleak time, you know, to actually be at these matches behind closed doors. It's been a really strange world to inhabit, hasn't it, Pad, really, in terms of, you know, it's so miserable for the players. And, you know, we, we had quite a, a nice vantage point today, didn't we? We had the directors in front of us, which wasn't the case. Uh, last season, uh, you know, Dealer and Michael made the decision not to go to games because they didn't want to. But now there's a, there's a little bit of movement towards, there seems to be some sort of maybe parents or family. Uh, there's a few more people in the grounds, aren't there? But not many, but just a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, So, we, you know, we had a, a little bit of atmosphere, didn't we?
2: Well, from right there, we just, you had the highlights on when I got back to the car after the game. And uh, yeah, when uh, Adam Eadis slapped that into the net... Uh, the, yeah, there was quite a large noise and I think pretty much emanating from the Norwich dugout and the Norwich bench and substitutes and uh, moving it forward you know that's great to see you know speaking to Daniel after the game he talked about very keen proactively to mention a Jordan Hugel who didn't get a look in today and in fact who's come on Adam Eder uh, so the first change striker wise wasn't your summer signing from West Ham it was uh, your young Republic of Ireland international and uh so he says straight away, he's gone straight to Adam giving a big, big hug, then he's gone to Timu and congratulated him um, and he said the same with Ben Gibson as well, Alex Tete and I think what he's basically trying to tell us there is that if they're going to achieve what they want to achieve, everybody has to be in the ship together, to quote Tim Close, he's just popped into my head, he came out with that famous line, didn't he, about one of the Murphys about we had to pull him back into the ship um, and, row, I mean. and row in the same direction so that that is a good sign as well. Yeah, as as a as a performance, it won't live long in the memory, but uh, the result and what it means in terms of, for me, closing the door, turning a page and, and looking forward now and not having to, as we did after Luton last week, you know, talking still about is there a losing mentality there? Yes, mm-hmm. it's a, sh- a change of players, but, but is there a culture around the club where they've accepted that they're going to lose games? Well, today, in the second half, that went a bit seesaw and, Probably from Daniel's point of view, tactically, it probably was a little bit too open. But ultimately, when Pesh couldn't sure of it, was Norwich who showed that ruthless instinct to cash in on a Huddersfield error from Richard Sturman with an underhit back pass. And then thereafter, I mean, Tim Krull came for a couple of catches, but you wouldn't say exactly that Norwich were besieged. So I thought the game management afterwards was another good sign. And yeah, it's one of them. I think as we move forward now in a few days' time, we'll pro- it'll probably become an even better display in the circumstances of what has gone before in the last sort of six months or so and mm. obviously culminating in a very sorry relegation but you know it was important they got up and running I think the earlier the better um, just to give those fans who are watching on from afar a bit of belief that yeah okay we've, heard, we've seen the players coming in we've heard all the positive sound bites from Daniel and Stuart all summer but here's a tangible performance three points clean sheet great let's roll on to Preston mm
0: similar to you before um, when we were going out to the game, but I, I actually went to the pub with my dad on Friday, which felt like a, you know, a bit of a throwback. We don't, we don't really do these things anymore, do we, go to a, go to a pub? Um, but we, um, we've we been working hard on my garden and stuff at the moment. i just seen Chris Gorham get out of his car. And I thought, well, <laughs> he'll probably be finished by the time we get out. But anyway, um, and I'd said to him um, that... You know, if they lose this first game of the season, then obviously it's all going to, all that pent-up frustration, that anger, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to be able to handle it. Handle it. They're going to sort of vent at Daniel and the team. If they'd have won 4-0, everyone would have been saying, oh, well, steady on, steady on to the early doors. You know, we saw what happened with Alex Neil. But I said to my dad, "If that the, the, the best result is to win 1-0 with a late goal. And that's exactly what they've managed to do because it, it frames the narrative, doesn't it? It just gives them, gives everything to build upon from that point. Um, Conor, in terms of the players we saw today, who, who sort of caught your
1: eye? Uh, well, the, the two for me really, uh, Chaffee Quintia and, and Ollie Skip, um, uh, I thought Quintia was, was very effective down that left actually, certainly from, a, from an offensive sense. I think defensively at times, particularly in the first half, he, he left a little bit to be desired. But um, in terms of his set-piece delivery as well, I think that's, that's a, a weapon that they didn't have last season. Um, and he put in... Consistently good deliveries as well, um, so that was pleasing to see. But I thought his overall round game, how he how he supported Norwich in attack, um, was was very good. And, and it's very reminiscent of a player that they've just lost in terms of Jamal Lewis and, and what he offers as a as a wing back to the attack. Um, so that was good early sign to him. And then yeah, Ollie Skip was was the other for me. who I think as as I speak is is leading the man of the match poll on uh, on dot com. Um, I and I've seen a lot of a lot of positive tweets about his performance as well. And he he. Today, sort of backed up all that we've sort of seen in preseason and have, and have been saying that he does have the tenacity and the skill set if he can unlock that sort of performance consistently um, to keep Alex Tetty out of the team. And I think there are there are a lot of Norwich fans who sort of wince when they see a team, particularly away from home, without Alex Tetty in it. And um, he kind of eased those concerns today. I thought he, he stepped into that role, and there were a couple of times where he won some turnovers and helped Norwich Nick possession back that set them away on on the counter attack that was really, really good and really, really positive to see. And um, when you combine that with a really good technical base, um, he does look like a a very good player. And of course, it's important not to get carried away because it is the opening game of the season. And um, I I cast my mind back to that 4-1 win over Blackburn that that you referenced there and perhaps how how people got a little bit carried away after that. So um, the key now is for consistency and to back it up. But on the basis of, of those or that 90 minutes, um, Oliver Skip and and, and Xavi Quintia certainly look like um, two very very good additions, um, and and they seem to offer Norwich a, particularly midfield today. It was it was good to see a bit more balance with him and McLean, and, and I felt they like did do well. Um, and and then finally I throw Ben Godfrey into the into the uh, equation as well. I thought he was very good defensively, and whether that's Ben Gibson's arrival and it's given him a a, a rocket in the place where a rocket needed to be placed, I'm not sure. But in terms of breaking the lines and bringing the ball out and um, commanding. Um his his sort of recovery runs at times were very good as well. Um it was it was like the, the Ben Godfrey that we saw um towards the back end of the championship season, if not maybe a little bit better. So those three stood out for me. Um I think you could you could probably chuck a, a few more in, but um yeah, those, those three for me were the standouts.
0: Yeah. Um I thought Godfrey was really good. I, I... I didn't really think there was a standout player. I felt this was more of a team one. So I I think you could have easily gone with, with skip Godfrey. Um, McLean was in the mix for me as well. Um, and, and Quintilla. but yeah, th- those two sort of lung busting runs from Godfrey, that, that, that one when he bailed out Zimbo was, um, was exceptional. I mean, that really is great pace. And, you know, if you've got Premier League scouts watching that game, it's just going to bring thoughts on him right to the fore, isn't it? But, um, Based on that, he, he would be a big miss. Uh, let's just talk about Skip a little bit more though, Pad. Um, I, th- I think positioning probably was the thing that he got right, wasn't it? He just just seemed to be in the right place at the right time.
2: Yeah, he's, um, as kind of references, you know, you don't come through Spurs' academy if you are not been schooled in the right way in terms of when you're on the ball. But um, it is his work off the ball. And that's A, his positional sense. But B, also, he, he's a bit of a throwback because he, he loves a tackle. He loves to bite in. He's not the biggest physically of chaps, but... Uh, he is tigerish and combative, and and there was you know there's one instance stand for me in this first half there where he's literally broke up play, so he's he's shown his defensive instincts. Then he's got the composure, he's slalomed around two or three in the tight pocket of space and set City on the counter. I think he rolled the ball out to Dowell and then Dowell's overhit it when a nicer pass count one is in. So that to me showcased what he's all about that that he's a destructive type of player, but he's also got that quality on the ball and. Uh, you know, there's, there's reasons why Mourinho's talking him up as a future Tottenham captain. They think that highly of him. Norwich, have, uh, I think, got a bit of a coup there to get him in on a season-long load. If he, all you hope now is, as Connor says, that's not overhype the guy. But as long as he's he's got a good head on his shoulders, I spoke to him in Germany actually after the Dresden game, and he didn't strike me as uh, anybody who, who gets too carried away with his performance levels. I think he's a, uh, I think he's a pretty down-to-earth chap, and uh, if he retains that sort of sense that he's, uh, he's just making his way, he's not done anything yet in the game then I think Norwich have got an excellent addition and, and in a key area to pitch where they were too vulnerable last season too often but you've got him in there and it looks like at the minute Daniel Favors McLean as, as the foil for him but Sorensen if he kicks on, Alex is always going to be in and around it. Not the only part of the squad but certainly that area of the, the team it looks like there's a nice little com- competitive sort of uh, battle growing and and, and it needs to happen. It needs to happen everywhere around the pitch because if you have that, and we saw it most obviously today in the players who didn't make the 18, let alone who was on the bench, it's just going to drive up the standard performance every week because you know if you, you're in the 11, you don't perform, you could easily be out of the side the following week. And then if that is the case, you would hope that Norwich, in terms of the results and the beneficiaries and, and uh and come the end of the season, that it pays off in a in a very swift return to the Premier League.
0: The one thing with me for Skip is the consistency. Where at his age, he's nineteen. He's clearly got big ability, could have a big future ahead of him. But is he going to be able to produce it consistently? Because that's what we didn't see with Harrison Reed, did we? Um, he showed yeah. he had good games. He showed flashes of being a good player, but didn't produce it consistently. So yeah, I like the look of Skip uh, and him and McLean did um, set a pretty. Uh, solid defensive um, midfield, and um, he, he essentially shadowed Alex Pritchard, didn't he? he? Huddersfield were trying to make the best of you Clearly, he's their big asset, yeah. isn't he? And, and the creative force. And when he got that free kick in the first half, I have to admit there was part of me thought, "Oh God, here we go!" But it was a pretty dreadful effort in the yes. end, wasn't Because I mean, that, that's just the sort of uh, player you, you would expect to want to score against his former club, isn't it? Um, but generally, he kept Pritchard pretty quiet. But McLean, I mean. You know, he's not a spectacular player, but there was there was a moment for me that stood out. I think it was after. I'm pretty sure it was after the goal when um, they put the ball forward, and he just made sure he got up and won a defensive header on halfway, headed the ball out powerfully for a throw, and the city subs made a sort of they really applauded that. They they appreciated that. That's the sort of moment that makes sure you grind out games and in general, I think, you know, there's been a lot of people talking about McLean, haven't there, Connor? You know, after he signed his new deal, there's been, I think people almost feel like Farkas bigged him up too much, but that was, today, was a real reminder of how he could be a key team player, can't he?
1: Yeah, and I think for for all the talk of sort of championship experience, I think that's exactly what he offers, leadership in, in that midfield, mobility. Um, he'll never pick a pass, I don't think, that, that wins Norwich City the game, but he will win the tackle that leads to the pass. You know, it's 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 that sort of part, and I think he's he's one of those players, maybe similar to to, to Alex Tetty in a way that is maybe a little bit understood, and, and you don't quite fully appreciate what he offers you unless you play alongside him. Um, but there there are certainly in, intangible elements to his game that that Norwich really benefit from. But equally, I, f- I think he does he does he does give them that balance in midfield, and he does as we saw in the second half when he sort of broke the lines to to try and support Team Ibuki and, and Huddersfield subsequently recovered. I think he does offer that support in attack and equally that sort of defensive cover as well. And um, between the boxes, he, he just offers them, for me, a, a lot more balance. And I think particularly when partnered someone who's, who's a bit more defensively solid, I think you do get the be- the better of McLean uh, or the best out of McLean, rather, a, a bit more. So I, I completely understand. And, and this, again, goes back to a point that we spoke about a few weeks ago in terms of maybe Daniel Farker's Idea of what that double pivot is changing a little bit, and maybe that's how he's evolved his his style. Um, and and there is now a, a, an onus on McLean because of all this all this hype that that um, has given him to perform. But I think we we've seen that he takes that responsibility on his shoulders. He's, he's very um, talkative on the pitch. He he is someone who uh, demands high standards of, of others around him as well. And Norwich need that particularly in a young group. Um, so I, th- I think he's he's more important than than perhaps anyone else could could see really in, in terms of what he offers on the pitch and i i get the criticism because he's not this this amazing technician who's, who's going to pick 40 yard passes and he's not particularly this combative midfielder who's who's going to win tackles in the same way that we've spoken about ollie skip for example but he does offer them mobility support um and, and leadership, and I think that that's they're really key elements in in any side that's going to do really well. And if you look at uh, what Burnley did after they got relegated um, a, a few years ago, the first thing they did was was brought in Joey Barton um, and you know whatever you think of the guy as a player he, he does offer um, that leadership and that balance in midfield that they needed to, to push them back up to the, to the end of the table he's not the most spectacular player in the world and, and certainly wasn't um, but just gave them experience in the midfield and I, and I think McLean could do something very similar for Norwich um, and, and so I do get the praise that Daniel Farker gives him and I equally do get perhaps the criticism that gets levelled at him as well but there's no denying, I think, when, when you look at today as, as a real graphic illustration, um, just how pivotal he is to, to Norwich City's side and the balance of it overall. You better be careful, mate. You'll end up on one of the clickbait websites. <laughs> Knowledgeable Norwich journalist
0: compares Scottish midfielder to controversial Barton. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, Paddy, should have had a penalty, shouldn't he,
2: In the first half, with the header. As god, as, mate. That was Ben Godfrey, yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was. Was it Connor? It was Ben Godfrey, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. I thought it was Kenny. Really? Ken, Kenny, was in the, yeah, no, Kenny was in the vicinity and and he was the one who's leading the protests. But, yeah, I think oh, right. Conor well, pushed the clip. I've seen one. Yeah.
0: Which is the one that Conor put on. But,
2: uh, no, I, I no, definitely Conor. Yeah, no, I mean, that was... Well, it was. It doesn't matter who the Norris player was. It was definitely um yeah. Help me out. Conor Jahino Bakuna, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he yeah, turned yeah, his yeah. body... But his arm is completely, it's not in this natural silhouette or whatever the uh, criteria is. It's a penalty all day long. And then uh, then another very, very good shout where Max Aarons is tumbled inside the box in the second half by Karoma, I think, um, leading to the classic payoff line from Daniel post-match that the referee, for the first time in his coaching career, apologised for getting two <laughs> penalty calls wrong. So uh, it, I suppose he could do that when Norwich have won the game. I'd like to have seen Daniel's reaction after the game if that had finished 0-0 or that, heaven forbid, they'd got beat because his reaction during the game, particularly after the second penalty, he was apoplectic. He literally Mm. was a man on the edge for about five or ten minutes (laughs) after that Aaron's incident. He was raging at the fourth official and he was raging seemingly at the Huddersfield bench. Um, Something had happened just before it, hadn't it? skip had got yeah. clipped
0: on halfway, yeah. and the Huddersfield bench went, right. went yeah. mad, didn't they and I like, tried to say okay. that he'd, he'd bought the foul but it was clearly clipped and Daniel was, you, we could hear him clearly
2: wasn't he Say, said watch the replay back I'm, what are you talking about like yeah. he was going mad wasn't he? The back of he what he felt quite rightly and the referee confirmed afterwards <laughs> with two major errors um, prompting me to write in my pointers about bring back but- VAR all is forgiven but <laughs> obviously not <laughs> not because uh, that we don't need to get down that road again but yeah, no, all day long, long-winded answer. But uh, yeah, first half pen and second half possibly less of a, a clear, clear, clear-cut penalty, but enough for, for the referee to admit he got it wrong. So, yeah, Norwich didn't get a rubber degree from the officials on this occasion, that is for sure. But for, thankfully, in the final analysis, um, it didn't matter. But um, yeah, that was... And that worth pointing out from what you boys were saying about earlier, that Godfrey header was a Quintilla delivery, I believe, mm-hmm. from a corner. So, um, and, and he also put one right onto Zimbo's head in the second half where he's risen very well, about six, seven, eight yards out and just got his head a, year, a yard or two over the bar. So, yeah, I concur with what you lads were saying earlier about Quintilla on set pieces. He looks a good asset. He does, yeah. Sort of. I don't
0: know. It's a little bit uneasy when your left back's going, you know, over to the right wing and things to take a, a corner. But you know, like Lucas Dean does it for for Everton very successfully, and and Leighton Baines before him for yeah. Everton as well. So, you know, they're, they're, if you've got somebody with that left foot, then you know, I'd say they were better. They were certainly better than Andre Duda's corners. <laughs> 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 um, I think I, I can deliver a better goal than him. And Wendy, um, you know, Buendia's corners are all right, aren't they? They're not, but they're not. They're not brilliant. That, you know, Quintier has laid down a bit of a marker there to to really be involved as potentially a bit of a creative force. But I, defensively, I'm, I didn't see enough from him today to to necessarily be convinced whether he's good, going to be good enough defensively. But if Norwich, um, if Norwich build up ahead a head of steam and get some momentum, you know, this is literally one game. We know marathon not a sprint you, you can't get overconfident you know if they go and lose to preston then obviously there's still going to be plenty of pent-up frustration to, to, to come out but the thing in the championship is if that, if you can get off to a good start as one of the teams who have come down from the premier league then then very quickly connor the the, the championship teams are, their attitude would change to you wouldn't it they, all of a sudden people will be a little bit fearful of norwich because they'll look at that squad and they'll go into games thinking oh, well, do we need to park the bus
1: yeah, I think I think um, today was was a good example of that to an extent. I think we saw it in the second half in particular. Norwich had a, a flurry of attacks, and suddenly we saw Huddersfield quite content with sort of putting two banks of four behind the ball and um, just Coroma up front and, and trying to play off him a little bit. So in in, in many ways, it was um, it was a good test in that regard to what Norwich will will come up and face. And in the end, they they had to tweak things a little bit in terms of their attack to well, I, and obviously got very fortunate with, with the mistake to, to profit from that. Otherwise, we're probably talking about a very good defensive display from Huddersfield and um, probably better defensively than perhaps many people expected, given uh, Corcoran's sort of Bielsa education. So um, it, it was, that again, that, and that's another element why it was so important that they won today, because they proved themselves that they can, with endurance, um, break break those teams down and get results. And uh, that, that was important, and lots of teams will set up to play um, against them like that because of the talent they have because of the names on their team sheet and um, it's, it's going to be up to them to find a solution to that and again that's why it was equally interesting that, that Norwich had quite a few counter-attacks today as well so it's, it's all going to be about sort of how they balance it and, and, and uh, as well but yeah they, they are going to be the scalp of the division aren't they? Teams are going to come to Carroll Road and, and, and see a result, see any result really as, as a positive and 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 that is quite a shift from perhaps where they were two years ago, where teams were were coming to Cairo probably favouring themselves a little bit. So, again, that's, that's another part of that. Expectation that they're going to have to live up with and, and live up to, rather, and and deal with, and it's it's going to be how well they deal with it that's that's probably going to decide whereabouts they they end up in the table. But it's certainly a shift in terms of dynamic um, from perhaps being the side that is content with the point to the side that has to be the protagonist. If you want to use a Daniel Farkas uh, phrase, and and breaking them down is, is going to be key. And and again, it was interesting today. I think with with Dowell and, and Campwell, it, it just felt a little bit. Similar in there for me, they they were kind of occupying the same spaces, and um, they both looked like they, they wanted to, to play centrally and, and to almost cancel each other out. And it was only really when um, when when one of those was off the pitch that perhaps Norwich got a bit more joy in an attacking sense. So um, look, that that might all, all all be made better with with Buendia's return next week. But um, yeah, that 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 for me was was a major point: the fluidity and, and breaking out down that defensive shape, and we just hope that. That will come as, as they gel more, as Dowell understands camp well and, and as other players sort of get to grips with, with how Norwich play. But um, it's, it's going to be difficult and there are going to be times where they're going to draw um, and, and, and be very frustrated by, by teams. But um, if they can do what they did today, which is persevere um, and know that they've got the quality to, to get a chance and then be clinical when that comes, as, as, as they were, then, um, then that's, I think, a good place to be uh, for, for this season.
0: Yeah, Watford and Bournemouth winning obviously as well. Um, right, this seems a good point. Let's bring in a bit of Daniel Farker and Adam Eder, what they had to say after the game.
2: Daniel, that was uh, the result you were looking for, but uh, give us your
3: overall thoughts. Yes, of course, it's uh, it's a perfect uh, uh, way to start a new season to to travel back after a away game with three points. Uh, if I'm if I'm honest, of course. Uh, quite often hoping for an easy first game, anyhow, with an offensive firework. But if I could have painted uh, the first game, it would have been exactly like this. Unbelievable tough uh, game against a really well-organized opponent who played with lots of intensity and, and, and speed, so you could uh, only feel uh, like the lead philosophy, and it was tough at times uh, for us today. And then um, yeah, the story of the game was also also difficult, yeah, because it was the first time in my coaching career that the referee apologised straight away after the final whistle and that two clear penalties were not were not given for us and uh, fair play to him and many compliments because it's says a lot about this character to be that self-critical, so uh, well done. But of course it didn't help us uh, during the game because when in the Open of the season two well-deserved penalties are not given, uh, it's difficult but we showed great mentality and, and of course it was a mistake in the passing in the build-up but seen three of my players chase the ball in order in order to, to win the ball, because we really needed to win this, uh, this game. And then uh, to be allowed to travel back to with, a, with a good team effort, with a hard-fought win, clean sheet win, three points, as yes, of course uh, a brilliant uh, brilliant uh, first um, game day uh, in this league. And for that I'm pretty delighted and uh, many compliments to the lads.
4: No, I was delighted to get a goal, but um, obviously when team who played the ball in, there was a ball bit of nervous in me, but um, no, obviously I'm delighted to get the goal the actual finish Adam
0: you really put your foot through it Um, in, in the moment um, are you thinking or is it just instinctive when it
4: comes to that uh, look there, there was a bit of thoughts in the back of my head that uh, oh my god if I miss this <laughs> I could draw the game or something but look that's that's my job as a striker to get goals. so um, look there probably was a bit of instinct there and thankfully I connected with the ball and hit the back of the net
0: you got a yellow as well didn't you um, for sort of pulling someone back but that shows the sort of thing you got to do you get to, to grind things out haven't
4: you yeah exactly i think that's what we need to do to try and uh, grind out games i think it's nearly at the end of the game so even to just make tactical fans that's something we need to do throughout the season i think um everyone needs to do that so look it happens
1: and real
0: competition for places as well with jordan coming in he's obviously what 13 goals in the championship last year i suppose this is good timing for yourself
4: yeah look there's a there's a good bunch of strikers there we have a good uh, unity and connection together we we work hard in training, and we're all friendly with each other. There's um, obviously, like you said, there's a bit of bit of tough competition there, but I think that's what every team needs. And look, we all work hard and work for each other and play for the team. So with
0: Ireland, obviously Stephen Kenny knows you so well. Were you expecting to start both games, or did that sort of take you by surprise a little?
4: <laughs> no, look, for me, I was just going into the camp to get some experience. To be honest, uh, just thought to myself, a oh, look. Um, with the senior squad for the first time, just go out and enjoy it. And obviously, when I seen my name on the team sheet, I was I was off the moon to be honest. Um, I think going into the game, just have to sit alone and be confident. I think that's what I did. Yeah.
0: What's the reaction been like from sort of your family and friends and stuff? I mean, because you played for Ireland for all the age groups yeah. and stuff, haven't you? How, well, I saw your Instagram posts. You could see how much it meant to you.
4: Uh, yeah. Obviously, I was, I was very honoured to play for my country. It's a, it's a big feeling for me, and obviously for my family, they're so proud of me that I. I played them two games and my friends, they've all been very supportive of me ever since I started playing football. So, look, they're all delighted for me and I'm just happy to go off to a good start.
0: Right, okay. Um, let's. We'll talk about Adam in just uh, a second. Um, Connor's got to shoot off soon because uh, he's on taxi duties tonight. And we, <laughs> we got to our favourite location
2: of Blythe Services a little bit later than we have. It's been a while since we came here, isn't it? Oh, you forget we said we, during the lockdown period when there was no football at all, we would never, ever disregard Blythe Services again. It's a glorious place. Oh, I can't wait to get inside. I'm um, absolutely, yeah, it's like long lost friends.
0: I guess it was the Newcastle game in February probably, last time we were? Uh, yeah, time, like you're it. probably right, yeah,
2: yeah, and moaning about various insects that seem to congregate around live Services' interior, <laughs> but if there's insects in there tonight, it won't bother me at min- a moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, Connor's got a shoot, obviously. But I just wanted to say, um, for those of you who took part in our pink and Live event on Thursday night, a couple of days before uh, the Huddersfield game, uh, thanks very much for, for joining in. We really enjoyed that. And we'll hopefully have some more things uh, along those lines um, throughout the season. Uh, and if you missed it during that, we also announced that we've got the second official Norwich City st- sticker book uh, on, the, on the way. That's uh, well in the works. We're just finishing off the stickers for that. And the book uh, isn't far off being finished. Either so, that will be out later in the year. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you plenty of details on that. But if you didn't watch Pink and Live, you can see that back on uh, on our Facebook page. Um, and that was great fun, really good chat. Um, but Connor, before you shoot off, um, a nice story there with, with Adam Eder getting another goal. Obviously, he burst onto the scene with that hat trick at Preston, didn't he? But um, Matt, uh, it was a great deal to, to Team Mipooki for, for, for just how unselfish he was for the goal.
1: Yeah, and it was nice actually because I I felt the assist gave gave Timo a bit of a lift as well. Um, in in terms of, uh, yeah, again he, he just seemed to buzz about a bit more after the goal, which was which was positive to see as well. And yeah, you've got to be happy for Adamida. I think it was probably had had my heart in my mouth when he hit it because it it looked a little bit high, but um, <laughs> it was it was relief when it hit the back of the net. And I'm I'm sure for him as well, it marks a brilliant what week or or, or two weeks or so. And, Obviously played for the Republic of Ireland, didn't he, for the first time. Their senior team at 19 is an incredible achievement. And yeah. I think he's, he's someone who perhaps has has been a little bit overlooked in terms of that striker debate because of Jordan Hugill's arrival. But um, I think he's shown today that, that he can be effective. And there was a nice bit of play sort of prior to his goal where he took the ball in and then um, tried to find Campwell, who I think subsequently lost the ball. But glimpses like that as well are, are just as important for me. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got to praise Timu Fuki because I think it would have been quite easy for a striker who hasn't scored in a while to, to run through and, and look to convert a, a, an effort, really. And it was quite an acute angle as well. So to show the the, the patience, the, to have the the clarity of, of thought, I guess, to just hold off, just wait and, and, and wait for that better option, I think probably showed his, his experience and... Um, Maybe, hopefully, that gives him the, the sort of kick-on that he needs to produce a bit more in terms of output. There was actually a moment later on, wasn't there, when, when he got the ball on the edge of the area and I felt he probably should have just got a shot away and I think he tried to find Ida again. Um, so maybe that dust hasn't quite been sort of um, brushed off, but it's it's pleasing to see them two link up and um, it's it's really good for Ida as well to get his first league goal for Norwich and it feels like it's been a long time coming, particularly after of the positive performances we saw in the Premier League. He was one of the sort of shining lights from what was a really dark spell, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see him pop up um, on a, on a few more occasions this season because he does offer something different. I think he probably is a bit more complete than than Hugill and and and, he, and Pukki rather in terms of he can do sort of he can play with his back to goal and he's equally good on the shoulder. So um, and he has got a bit of physical presence about him as well. So of course there's so much more development to come out of him and. Um, I think we'll we'll see him have a real breakthrough season this year, um, providing he 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 gets his head down and, and works really hard because he's certainly got the skill set and the qualities and um, hopefully we're in a place in in a year or so where we're talking about him in in the same vein as as we do Todd Campwell and Max Aarons and and Ben Godfrey because um, I think he's he's been, he's been threatening to do that for a little while and he's kind of been caught in the in the area of between the 23s and the first team well I think now he's he's starting to show that he he firmly deserves to be in that first team. Sort of picture and um, more cameos like that are, are, are going to be welcome. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and I'm mentioning that late chance, we were when we were speaking to Adam after the game. Um, that was mentioned to him, and he just couldn't remember it. <laughs> he was like, you know. Oh, which one was that? <laughs> it's like, because he's so focused on his, on his moment and he was so buzzing after the goal that he basically couldn't remember anything <laughs> after the goal um, because I guess you're just so excited, aren't you? But that was a nice moment. But um, yeah, uh, well, thanks, Connor. We'll let you, you, let, let you shoot off and, and do your taxi duties and we'll uh, we'll see how the show yeah, from there. Yeah, safe trip. Um, but yeah, the, um, the Pookie element to all that, Pad, it was um, good to see, wasn't it? Because first half, he was very isolated. And um, well, you know, Huddersfield were doing the right thing, and that they were dropping deep, weren't they? They were um, whenever Norwich were attacking, they were dropping deep. But Huddersfield ran out of steam; it ran out of steam eventually. Um, and he was then getting those spaces, wasn't he? But yeah. um, he probably should have had a crack at goal as well, shouldn't he? When when Norwich
2: were really on the up. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? the Ida pass? Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. He should have pulled a trigger. I think he was just on the edge of the box. Um, yeah, it was an interesting having already served one up as well for Adam to, to, to get the wit you well, you. The full world, he'd well, right, okay, I'm going to have my moment now. But uh, yeah, there, there's still issues for me there in terms of, you know, in front of goal, has he the confidence? Is he going to be the Timu Pookie Mark 18 19 Championship version? Or are we going to see the Timu Pookie of the second part of the Premier League season? But I uh, will, in his defence, say, so since we've got back into it in the pre-season games and obviously a caveat pre-season because it is essentially a fitness exercise. But he got a couple of goals in pre-season. Um, I think he was decent, funny enough, against the Eiders Republic of Ireland for Finland, although he had a big chance that night in Dublin and, and didn't mm. take it. hit hit Darren Randolph uh, in a 1v1, very dis- not dissimilar to his Man City effort on the final day last season. Um, and Stuart Weather said something to me out in Germany. They just hope he can get off the mark Early in the championship, and then the confidence you hope will flow through him, um, because there's there's good signs, there's positive signs. He's, there's t- there's parts of his game that look like they're they're where they were when he was in his pomp for Norwich. But obviously, the big imponderable at the minute is can he get himself back on the goal trail? And obviously, it's unrealistic to expect he's going to he would ever weigh in again. And that's probably that's probably a career a career-defining season, the one he had in the championship um, two years ago. So that's probably a burden we shouldn't lay onto his shoulders that can he repeat the, what was it, 30 plus goals, wasn't it, Um for a club. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um But certainly, can he weigh in uh, well into double figures and then you, hope, as Connor alluded to there, Adam Eder burst through. Hugo will get his goals, he said to me in Germany, you know, 15 is his minimum target because that's what he got last season and he's all about can he beat what he did the previous season. So there's a player who thinks he's going to comfortably be in, in double figures and, and ultimately Daniel will tell you uh, that he sees those three as a unit it's not about one it's not about two it's those three as a unit um, think off the top of my head he said they need to score in the region of about I think it was 30 or 40 goals and he, he's not really too bothered how the mix comes just he, he feels from his front, front three strikers if Norwich are going to get to where they want to go which is out of this division swiftly and back to the Premier League he needs his collective uh, battery of foot forwards to, to weigh in with 30 or 40 goals and obviously today we've had the first installment so so long may that continue, but it, it would do his him and I think Norwich a world of good if team could get off the mark against Preston.
0: Interesting. You went talking to to Adam Eder after the game. He included Dan Al Sonani in that group of strikers Interesting. As well. yeah. How they've been training and yeah. talking about themselves as a unit. So that's, that's maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a hint to the behind the scenes and what they're working with, them, um, which is something that we Quite a few people have wondered, haven't they? But it's not, not really been explicitly said. Um, otherwise, um, I don't uh, think there's uh, sort of many other issues. Um, Poeta came on. Well, we didn't see loads from him, did we? He did so? it caused a little bit of havoc at, at times. It was his his cross that um, Pookie sort of kept alive, wasn't it? But Hernandez, what did you make of him today? I, you know, he was pulling the trigger, but he, I didn't think he was
2: quite... all over though, isn't it? I mean... Um his chance conversion, we were talking about stats and now they seem to have like completely took on a life of their own in terms of football analysis on the way up. But, you know, I would, would be quite interested in his goals to shots ratio because he, he he loves that take the ball inside, glide past two or three players and then pull the trigger and invariably he'll either choke it at the keeper or he'll pull it wide. And we saw both of those today, actually one in the first half, one in the second half. But I think he was good in the first half. I thought he was the one who was making, trying to make things happen. There were some lovely little touches, some lovely turns, because he is all about power and athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, to lose markers who were quite close to him, because they'd probably have been told, you let this guy break in behind you, you're not getting him back again, because he's got that sheer power that explosive pace. Um, but I liked what I saw from him in open play. But I've been saying it for God knows how many seasons now. I just think his his end product isn't good enough. And that will probably always hold him back from being, you know, a player in his position who's really made the breakthrough in recent years. Adama Troy, a Wolves, you know, that similar type of explosive wide player, but who brings the end product in terms of goals and assists. And I don't think Arnell will ever, quite from, from what we've seen of him in, so far in his Norwich career, ever get to those heights but more than certainly more than a good enough in the Championship for me and um, and I think Farker likes what he's seen seeing from him as well I mean both this season pre-season and also back end of Project Restart he was probably Norwich's pick which was obviously a pretty low bar but mm-hmm. still he, he was the one who tried to make things happen obviously had that very unfortunate VAR goal chalked off at Man City didn't he which was the frustration because he did that move again he cut inside I think he's whipped the ball in past De Bruyne no less uh, in past the Edison at the near post got chalked off, but he's got that. I remember the championship winning season; they won at Middlesbrough one 0 That was him again. It, similar sort of move, picked up on the left, cut inside, drilled it inside the near post. So you would just hope he can add that element to his game because if he can, the Norwich we're talking about goals there uh, a second or two ago. If he could chip in with sort of five to ten goals, and that could that could be a huge, you know, difference in terms of not having to wholly rely on either. Poogie and Hugo, um, and he needs to be doing that because I think Norwich will dominate a lot of games and they will create a lot of chances. And it's just almost that calmness and coolness that we'd like—I'd like to see a little bit more from him. But overall, yeah, I thought I thought he was—you yeah, know—he was in the mid-middle mid, pack. I don't think he was one of the better Norwich players, but I didn't think he, I not think he was one of the worst ones either. So something to build on. And, and you'd probably say that typifies Norwich's performance in general.
0: Yeah. Um. I thought it was pretty solid across the board for most people i I, I think they'll all travel home pretty happy with the days were, but knowing that there's plenty yeah. plenty more work to come they, you know they've got to do better than that if they want to be in uh, in the mix at the top end of the table um just finally then because I think we've pretty much talked about everyone, but Dowell and campwell, if we just sort of focus on them, I mean Dowell pretty much started in the center and campwell on the right didn't we uh, didn't he and obviously they mix it mix around a little bit but um I mean that, that tackle from Dowell on on Stearman um do you think he got a bit lucky I mean
2: he he definitely got the ball because you could hear it in the stadium you could hear that he'd made contact with the ball but it was quite a heavy challenge wasn't it it was full-blooded yeah Stearman came off pretty 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 worse for wear because then he got an elbow from Campbell Mm -hmm. um which was basically you know those two
0: ruffians yeah exactly
2: yeah (laughs) so they, they double teamed him in a big way but uh and, uh, whether that had any impact on that underhit back pass, who knows? But uh, you'd have to sp- probably speak to him. But um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I Campbell, I wasn't impressed with it at all. I thought it was it was too much of the you know the, the party pieces that didn't really come off. And you know, you want more than that from him because he has got that ability to. And you want him to actually influence games, not to you know, oh, that was an interesting flick or whatever. You know, an eye-catching moment. It's really more you want something more substantial from him and, and he got an opportunity in the 10-roll today um, and I don't think he really took it and, uh, you know, I, I, I'll be flabbergasted if Buendia, now he's available for Preston, doesn't come back in and if he comes back in, I don't see him dropping Hernandez out of that mix behind Pookie. I think it'll be one of Dowell or Cantwell will have to make way um, and my money probably would be on Cantwell because I think that would then allow Dowell to, to operate solely in the 10-roll where I, I've no doubt now, I haven't seen him a few times down the right-hand side, that, that he'll do you a job there, but he's better in the middle of the park. You know, he's got that vision, that peripheral vision. He's got the ability in tight spaces, and he can finish as well, uh, as we saw on, on pre-season, uh, and, and he can pick a pass. So, me personally, I think of those two, I think Dowell, you retain, Calvary, you pull, pull out the side, and Buenia comes in for Preston.
0: Yeah, no, it didn't quite happen for either of them, did it? No. But there, were, there were good flashes, but yeah, that's interesting because... Um, people are going to start reading into where the people are in the transfer window sort of, you know, in the window for the transfer window ahead of the deadline. And, you know, it. Will, do they persevere with Campwell because they're, you know, maybe hoping that somebody will come in with a big bid equally with Wendy. There's probably going to be that almost like conspiracy element to the selection for the next few weeks, isn't there? So that's going to be something that we're going to have to, to monitor closely. But um, just before we sign off, then um, Preston at home, Um you know, at home is kind of a a, a useless phrase at the moment, is it? Because there's no home advantage, there's no um, no difference other than we don't have to make the long journey, and and the players don't either. But um, for unfortunately for for the listeners and and for city fans, it's it's just a case of sitting at home at, at the moment, isn't it? But you know, Alex Neal will bring them fired up. They lost one 0 at home to Swansea opening day. That's well, these first four games, they're, they're toughies, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they are, but um. I think Norwich could go into that game now, Boyd, because you, I think you said it earlier, they didn't play well today, really. They've got so many more gears to go through. Mm. But that that will probably, if, if anything, add more confidence to that group because they'll know that, yeah, well, that was a bit scratchy and we had to rely maybe on a, 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 a Huddersfield error to, to actually get the win. But we got the win and we kept a clean sheet. So God knows what would happen if we actually click, you know, Dowell himself said before the game uh, on Friday, I think that, they don't fear anybody in the championship, and that's not arrogance. That's essentially an admission that they think they've probably got the best squad in the championship um, as a group of players. And it, I feel this is a big game though at Carrow because yes, okay, there isn't any fans in at the moment, but they were so abysmal during the Project Restart era, and it's going to be the same scenario. I.e., the empty stadium, um, and they need they need to cash in for the point when hopefully fans will return because. It has to be an uncomfortable place for opposition teams to come, whether that's with fans in the stadium or a partial stadium of fans or no fans, it will be next week. You still want to send that early message out that we've got Norwich away next week, lads, and we know we're going to have to play our ultimate to get anything because they're such a good side at home. And that that's difficult for Daniel to try and instill that mentality when, you know, essentially you run out and it'll be like they did this afternoon. You run out and it's four empty stands, but they have to. They have, to, they have to get back that car Road factor. They had it in this season. They won the title. Um, and as I say, it's almost the, the groundwork to the point where hopefully maybe the turn of the year as it's looking more likely now, fans come back in and, and car Road can, can start to be, again, quite an intimidating place. Um, and the only way they're really going to get that is beating Preston next week, winning their next home game, winning the home game after that. And then it, it really does feel then... A, as if, well, yeah. yeah, if we get anything in Norwich, it's a, it's a bonus kind of thing. But um, Preston, yeah, got to be honest, don't know anything about them this season. Um, obviously, we went there in the FA Cup, didn't we? But the championship winning season, it's worth pointing out, they were the only team who I think who stopped Norwich on that run-in, really, which Daniel referenced on Friday, uh, that midweek game. I think they won 3-1 that night. Yeah. And that was an Alex Neil team up and out um, in the image of their manager, combating a little bit like Huddersfield today, but they had the end product. And on the back of getting beat at home to Swansea in their first game, you can you can be sure he will have them fired up in a big way, and Norwich will have to match that intensity. Um, and I, I can foresee a very sort of similar type of game to today. Actually, that you know there'll be a battle they have to win first, and then hopefully that, that little touch of quality somewhere along the line in the Norwich ranks might be just enough to get the noses over the line. Another tight affair, and then you then you're looking back at the start, and you've got two wins on the board, and uh, and and nobody's really talking about. Consecutive losing runs of defeats, or how tough it's going to be—it's all optimistic and looking forward. And with the likes of Watford, with the likes of Bournemouth winning today, I don't think you want to be losing too much ground too early. So I see this as a very big game now, Preston carrow Road, for a lot of reasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be um, it's going to be really interesting. One of the things that we saw today, we did hear more noise from the substitutes and stuff. Maybe, I mean, maybe uh, they. They couldn't really do that in that run in the Premier League because they knew they were yeah. down. But yeah. perhaps those boys need to be a bit more cheerleaders, the ones who are on the outskirts, because they're allowed in the stadium. I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting they start singing on the ball city. As, as great as that would be to, to watch, and yeah. would uh, make a great bit of video.
2: Singing on the ball city,
0: that's, <laughs> yeah. that's viral, right there. That would be brilliant. But. Um, they, I, th- I felt like they, them with the directors were just able to create that little bit of, en- of an encouraging atmosphere to help them and, and drive the boys on. So um, who knows, maybe that's something that you can,
2: you know, it's all about marginal gains these days, isn't it? So, if- or, or you go Luton like Dave, when we was uh, we was there last weekend and mm-hmm. the PA announcer has just gone full metal jacket as mm-hmm. if he had a full house. Uh, maybe Norris's PA announcer can go full metal jacket. Maybe they can pipe in, as they did at Luton actually, pipe in that well, supposedly it was crowd noise on the tannoy speakers. It sounded more like, you know, a tube, a tube, coming, a tube coming into the station. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they'll need to trick themselves up too much. But um, but it is. I, I just think, yeah, I just think that those players have to enjoy playing car road, whether it's an empty car road or a full car road. And you could see towards the end of last season, it was a chore to them. And that was obviously mainly around the situation they found themselves in. But, I mean, we, we can all remember those games, the Southampton game, the Everton game. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm going to go through on there. i test my memory. We had the uh, Brighton and, and ultimately West Ham. I mean, how embarrassing was that? And I know it's a, constantly getting told it's a new season, new set of players. And today's the first step to prove that is the case. Let's have another step tomorrow. Uh, sorry, next week at Coward Road. And then I think the belief will start to grow outside the camp and probably more importantly, inside the camp as well. Good
0: stuff. Right, let's call it there. Let's go and have some dinner at whatever the time is. Nine o'clock already, or is it, or something? Oh, eight o'clock. Not too bad. Um, thank you very much for uh, for listening. Um, of course, com is the place to go. Paddy's pointers, the ratings, Player Watch is Harry Quintia. Um, my video, verdict loads to get your teeth into the videos with uh, with Farka as well. So, um, of course, if you're not already subscribed to uh, the Pick and Podcast, then please do. And any ratings or reviews are always very much appreciated. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM on Wednesday evenings. I think they're still playing us out. Um, but for now, thank you very much for listening. Uh, roll on next Saturday when hopefully. A little bit of momentum and and confidence can start to build. But who knows? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's just the start. Thanks for listening.
1: From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archant.